G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys that are married, you know... Oh man, this is going to go bad. Hi and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll continue Pastor Jeff's message, It Starts With Us. He explains how marriage is a replication of the gospel as we learn to live for someone else. And he brings a special word to husbands about the part they play in making their marriages glorify God. Marriage is that we would rub against each other like precious gems and smooth out the rough edges so that we would be able to present each other before Jesus. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the conclusion of It Starts With Us. God is so committed, Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of Christ. He is so committed in making Christ's followers holy that he comes up with this idea of marriage. And in marriage, you are going to have all your weaknesses exposed. The Holy Spirit through the married relationship You're going to have to become like Christ if it's ever going to succeed. You're going to have to give of yourself. You're going to have to meet someone else's needs. You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to show mercy. You're going to have to be like Jesus. And until you recognize how messed up you really are and all the flaws we really have, then you won't understand why it is God is sending someone from the outside into your life to straighten you up. Marriage is that we would rub against each other like precious gems and smooth out the rough edges so that we would be able one day to present each other. Now, do you, are you with me? Do, do, do I still have you? So that we would be able to present each other before Jesus. It's, it's like this. L- let me take a back step here because I see some of you glossy-eyed. Stay with me. When we lived in New Zealand... Uh, New Zealand is beautiful. You've heard me say this, but the problem is you, you seldom see its beauty because of all the bad weather. I mean, it's, 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 if I can be crass again, it's, it's just crappy weather. The, the sun is not seen because of the clouds and the rain. It's like living in Seattle. There's a reason it has the highest suicide rate in, on planet Earth because it's just dismal and depressing all the time. But then every once in a while, a couple of days out of the year, especially in January and February, the clouds will break and the sun will peek through and the beauty and the gloriousness and the marvelousness of a beautiful, beautiful country is clearly visible. And you look over to the east from the deck where we lived and you'd see Marangi Bay. The sun would come out and you'd jump in the car as fast as you could because you didn't know how long it was going to last. 
And you'd take the kids down for fish and chips and just look out over my rainy bay. And then if you were blessed, you'd look over to the right and there's Rangitoto Island, a dormant volcano just off the, just a, just a couple of miles off the coast there of Auckland City. And then if you kept going on a really beautiful day, you'd see Waiheke Island. You'd look down this beautiful island where just a few hundred people live that's just absolutely gorgeous. And you'd get in a boat hoping that the weather would remain, take a boat across to the other side and see all these boats in the harbor. No need to have a car. You just walk the island, listen to jazz music, drink great coffee. But seldom would you get to see that because it was always hidden. And that's you and me. There is something beautiful and glorious in us, but the problem is we got so much, again, crappiness in our life that seldom can everybody see what's going on in us. But there's a person that God's going to send into your life. And the person in marriage looks at you and says, I love you unconditionally with all your baggage and everything. I love you, but I also love the person you're becoming. And I am so excited about the person that God is making you into that I want to come alongside you and help you become the person that God has designed for you to come. And I want you to come into my life and help me become the person that God has designed for me to become. See, in the West, we got marriage all wrong. We've got these things that we think it's all about this, this, and all those things are included. But the overarching goal of marriage is somebody to come alongside you and be a helpmate an encourager, kind of like a parakletos, one who comes alongside. That's what Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. Somebody in your life that will help you. You've seen the gym tumbler, haven't you? It's when you put the jewels in the gym tumbler and just turns and turns and turns and turns. And over time, the stones knock off the rough edges and become smooth. The idea of marriage is that you would sharpen each other so much that You're looking forward to the day when you stand and you present each other before Jesus radiant, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus does that for us. That's what we're supposed to do for each other. Somebody said, God makes opposites attracts and then watches them squirm. Well, I think it's more that he puts us together with somebody opposite so that the rough edges can be smoothed out. See, when you look at marriage for that reason and that purpose, ladies, young ladies, it's going to make an entire difference on who you marry. Now, there's some of you in the room right now, ladies, you, here's what you're thinking right now. Wow, I have known this all my life. That God sent me into this man's life to straighten him out. <laughs> but, but, but now, but now I have the theology behind it. <laughs> my own pastor told me that I was sent into my husband's life to smooth out the rough edges. And I have always known that. And, and, and I feel such a calling of God to do that successfully that I will be relentless in my pursuit. <laughs> Linda Dillo puts it like this. She says, my husband was one of those fortunate men who upon marrying received not only a friend, lover, companion, and partner, but also a personal Holy Spirit. <laughs> personal Holy Spirit. 
This angelic being is a loving wife who feels it is her God-ordained responsibility to convict her husband of sin, of judgment, of righteousness, as well as instructing him in proper etiquette, dress, and attitudes. (laughs) On behalf of all men, I would like to speak. You're right. God sent you into our lives to smooth out the rough edges. But this is a two-way street. We're sent into your life to smooth out the rough edges. So why do you get defensive when we try to? This is marriage. See, the problem is most of you young girls and guys, you marry for the wrong reason. Why, why do you want to marry this guy? He's cute. He's not going to be cute very much longer. He has a lot of money. Again, his money may run out. See, you marry for something that is going to become weaker in the person. And the Bible says don't marry for something that's going to become weaker. Marry for something that's going to get stronger. And the only thing that's going to get stronger is Christ's life in him or her. Everything else fades away. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the conclusion of It Starts With Us. It's all about why marriage reflects the gospel message. Let's continue now. Here's Pastor Jeff. Well, let, me, let me show you what I mean. Here's a picture of Robin and me a couple of years ago when we were just taking a few days together. And then here's another picture of Jeremiah Mullen, our worship leader, and his lovely wife, Gabby. Yeah. And then here's another picture of Jake Robinson, who oversees uh, or helps Jeremiah with a weekend experience, budgeting, things like that. And then we've got one up of Chris Fink here, who's often our host and a worship leader over at Etiwanda Gardens, and his lovely wife. Now, if I were to put all those pictures together on the screen at one time, what would you discover? Simple. All of these guys married way over their heads. <laughs> because all guys do. If there's no chase, there's no fun. And when I first met Robin, I knew I was way out of my league. But I am more physically attracted to my wife now than what I was when I was 23. Now, some of you guys, oh, you're pathetic. All right, I, I was following you until then. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, if, if this were not true, uh, I would not say it. My wife is like a lot of other wives, and they will say, well, why do you love me so much? I'm just so fat and ugly now. I mean, what woman is that? I'm fat and ugly. And I remind Robin, I am not attracted to the woman that you were. I'm attracted to the woman that I see you becoming. And I can honestly tell you, the physical attraction grows stronger if there's something in the person that's getting stronger that you were attracted to in the beginning. And it's Jesus in her. Now, when she says, you know, she says, I'm fat and ugly, I don't get it. I say, well, honey, there's two things. There's two things. Number one, I don't know that you're fat because I never see you. Okay, okay. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys that are married, you know, oh man, this is going to go bad. 
Okay. Two. I'll talk more about that when we get to bedroom battleground playground the third week of this series. Okay. Talk more about that. Second, sweetheart, is I'm in love with the woman that you're becoming, not the woman you think I fell in love with 25, 28 years ago. Now, I can honestly say that that is honestly true. And that's why if you marry somebody, that's why the Bible gives you advice, young girls. Why would you marry someone who doesn't have a heart for God? Because what you're marrying them for is going to get weaker, not stronger. And so you're going to grow closer and closer to God. And the more you grow closer to God, the more you're going to grow away from them. But you already made a commitment and covenant to be in the marriage, so you're going to stay in the marriage. It starts the home, but there's going to be tension in your home over this. If you're going to build a home, you build a strong marriage. And you build a strong marriage by understanding that when you go into it, you're going into it for the purpose of being made like Jesus. And your wife and your husband, as Jesus grows in them, they're going to see more things in you. And as they grow in Christ, they're going to be tempering all that with grace, mercy, and kindness, and compassion, and exhortation, not judgment. So that my wife and I, after 28 years of marriage now, we know so much about each other that ticks us off. But we also have grace and mercy for each other, and we see what's happening in each other. And when I look at my wife, I see what Jesus is doing and how she's becoming the woman that she's becoming, and the attraction intensifies. My wife has helped me in so many different areas, guys. So many different areas. She helped me understand that it's not all about me. Wives are good like that. (laughs) She helped me understand by asking me questions that I get really angry when I hear them, but I go away, think about them, and I know she's right. Do you care more about what people think about you or more about what I think about you and your son and your daughter think about you? I hate it when they're right. But had God not sent that into my life, I would, what, would I, I'd just go into my little narcissistic world and, and, and be further and further conformed to the world rather than to Christ. But the same thing is true of your husbands, ladies. They can speak some things into your life. Matter of fact, I have helped my wife in so many ways. Uh, I can't think of any right now, but so many ways. I'm running out of time, but I I want you to take this last piece, okay? (laughs) Guys, it starts with us. He says, husbands, love your wife. If we're going to have, if we're ever going to have solid homes, it happens that way. Three sets, three, three principles. And wives, if your husband won't write it down, you write it down for him, but give it to him graciously, okay? That word love is agapao, agape, love your wife unconditionally. Basically, it has a lot to do with treasures. Treasure your wife. Honor her, respect her. So the garment you need to worry about fitting into isn't your tuxedo. It's that servant outfit that you wore during the dating phase of the marriage. You used to do this all the time. You took her on long walks. You had conversations. You appeared to be interested in her life and her goals. Chocolates, flowers, romance. Take the servant's outfit out of the closet again and love your wife sacrificially and live your life for her and meeting her needs over and above your own. Which means second, you're gonna have to love her communicatively. There's an interesting parallel in scripture. In Ephesians chapter five, 
we're told that the washing and renewing comes through the word. And the metaphor, the analogy is there that in the same way Jesus, because he loves us, communicated to us through word revelation and told us what is expected from God. And then when we found out through communication what was expected from God, we also found out that God had already provided in Jesus. Then we are to open up the lines of communication with our wife to discover what her expectations are and then to jump in and meet them. That's why I've said for I don't know how many years, the thing that saved my marriage in New Zealand was when I took my wife out on a date night. Once a week, Thursday night, a young lady from the church would come over and watch Delaney and Sion. I would take Robin out for coffee, not a movie. Movies don't count because you don't talk to each other. You go for coffee or whatever, and I would look across the table and ask her three questions, and this saved my marriage. Number one, how are we doing? Number two, what do you need from me that you're not getting from me? And number three, what are your hopes and dreams? Where do you want to be? Now, let me give you a warning, guys. If you go home and try this, the first time is going to be a disaster because she's going to come at you with guns a-blazing because you've not asked her this question or these questions for years and you're going to get it. Oh, you, you want to know how we're doing? I'll tell you how we're doing. And you want to know what I need that you're not giving me? Well, here you go. Now, this is where don't get defensive. Take out a piece of paper and write down. If she sees you taking notes, oh, man, this going to be good for you. <laughs> what are your hopes and dreams? Love her sacrificially. Love her communicatively. And finally, love her spiritually. This is huge. I don't know a Christian woman who doesn't want to be married to a man who challenges and leads her spiritually. Guys, I I don't know if you're going to believe me, and I I guess I just keep trying to say this uh, year after year after year. This is not just theory to me. This is pragmatic stuff I'm talking about here. This is stuff that I've worked in my own marriage. Too many guys complain that their wives don't give themselves enough to their husbands. But if you'll start loving your wife as Christ loved the church, your wife will start giving herself to you. And the most important thing in that is that you lead her spiritually, that you pray with her, that you read the word to her, and that you encourage her in her pursuit of Christ. A woman wants to know that her husband is living for something more than stuff, the cars and the houses and to pay the bills. She wants to know that he's living for something that truly matters. And when she does, she gives herself to him. One of my favorite writers has a great comic, Catherine Johnson, called uh, a work called Lucky in Love, says flourishing marriages are rare, but common to flourishing marriages is a man who commits himself to a cause beyond his own small circle of interest. And Ruth Graham, who was married to Billy Graham, one time she was asked, what's it like being married to Billy? He's away half the time preaching the gospel all over the world. And she said, I'd rather be married to Billy half the time than any other man all of the time. Marriage is a recapitulation of the gospel. The world is supposed to look into your marriage and see the gospel, which means there's conflict and tension, but there's mercy and grace and forgiveness and iron sharpening iron and each other smoothing out the rough edges so that both of you may present each other to Christ on that day in a glamorous fashion, untainted by the world. And I'm telling you, it can happen. And this is only a start. And let me say again, young girls, 
Why on earth would you give your heart to someone who has no passion for God and where Christ has not yet come in and begun to do his work? Because the things you're going to marry him for will get weaker, I promise you. I went to the gym this past week. I decided I was going to get back in shape and do leg work again. So I just moseyed on up to the squat rack and put the same weight I had when I was in college. (laughs) And after I almost passed out, I stepped back. And this, I don't know, 45-year-old lady comes up and says, mind if I jump in? And she jumps in, up, down, up, down, up, down. (laughs) Now, her nickname is Tank, but that has nothing to do with it. It's going to fade. It's going to fade. We got to get this home thing right. Guys, it starts with you. Treasure and honor your wife. Let her sharpen you. And as you do, and as you take an interest in her life, I promise you, She'll take a lot more from you when she knows she has your heart. Give it to her. Father, I want to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name for our time together where we look into the heart of marriage and the family. I pray your blessings on our church and on our families that they may be strong so that our presentation of the gospel may be strong and we would not forfeit our responsibility and opportunity to present the good news of the gospel They can do a mighty work on all people, much more than we could ever hope for or imagine. Do your work on us and our church and in our families in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That was the conclusion of It Starts With Us. This may have raised some questions about your relationship with your spouse or your Father in Heaven. For more information and resources, feel free to visit our website, vision.org.au. Hope you can join us next time when Pastor Jeff will have some words of wisdom on marriage for us wives. The first thing I want you to notice is this is not a politically correct passage. Now you do realize that I don't care and neither should you. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.